0: On today's show, which Mavericks need to improve the most going into next season? And how can Christian Wood assimilate himself into a winning team? We'll talk about all that and more on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luke Enchich and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. Hey, the Mavericks are NBA champions. He it. bang, bang. It's good! And the Mavericks have won the game! You, if you don't believe, you shouldn't be here. Welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media Member and NBA Channel Manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. But the best way you can help us grow this show is to comment your team every day below. And let us know in the comments below which Mavericks need to improve the most. Let us know. Interested to know what you guys think about that. Uh, Isaac is out today. He is traveling the world, uh, or at least the world, between Dallas and uh, Kentucky. He's there right now visiting family. And so today, you and I are getting into which Mavericks need to improve the most. Because if you ask anybody, and Tim Cato did at The Athletic, and asked people, do you think the Mavericks improved, stayed the same, or got worse over the last, you know, over this offseason? And most people said that they either slightly improved, stayed the same, or got a little worse. Everybody's kind of in that me- that middle right now. And I'm kind of there. I kind of think the Mavericks are the same. It's it it. We have to wait to see what happens in a playoff series, who the matchup is and all that. They're probably a little bit worse of a playoff team, possibly, without Jalen Brunson. Less upside there. But I think overall, talent-wise, they added talent, for sure. And I don't know if it equals out, but it probably is pretty close. And so for the Mavericks to be better next season, a couple players need to improve in some key areas for them to have a better record, for them to be better going into the season, for them to beat some of these teams that are going to be better just in general. The Clippers are going to be better. The Nuggets are going to be better just by sheer uh, getting players back, players returning, players coming back that they haven't had in a little while. Other teams should be better. The Warriors should be less injured than last year. Like, the West is going to get tougher. The West is going to get tougher next year. And the Maverick, the only team that really, really got worse, like significantly worse, are the Jazz probably. I think everybody else. The Timberwolves got a lot better. Clippers. I think the Pelicans will get better with Zion. You have the, you know, the uh, Denver Nuggets. Like, all four of those teams behind the Mavericks and the Jazz in the standings all got better. And there's a case to be made that all four of those teams could leapfrog the Mavericks next year, but a couple players could take some key steps forward. And it would like it would nullify all that other improvement from those other teams. And the Mavericks could stay where they are in the top four and could continue to hold that spot and have home court advantage in the first round, which is so key for them. Let's not forget how key that home court advantage was for the Mavericks in the playoffs against the Utah Jazz. So let's talk about it. I got a couple guys. I think let's start with Christian Wood because. He wasn't on the team last year, but we know Christian Wood coming into this season has a couple of things that he just has to get be better at than he has been in the past. Christian Wood, I feel like we've talked about him a lot, but we haven't really talked about his story as much. Christian Wood is this guy that bounced around the league and couldn't find a spot. He was on the Mavericks Summer League team. Remember that Orlando Mavs? The Orlando Mavs Summer League team that won the Orlando Summer League a little while ago? Uh... Like, I think Jonathan Motley was on that team, and Jameel Warney was on that team, and Ding Ying Yuhan was on that team. Like just some random players that the Mavericks had uh, you know acquired. Jamal Mosley, I think, coached that team. And they they won. It's like what, like five, six games or whatever. But Christian Wood was like part of that team. And then he's been part of other Summer League teams, and he's bounced around a lot. He played 17 games for the Sixers, 13 games for the Hornets. He played 13 games for the Bucs, 8 games for the Pelicans, and then he got to Detroit in 2019-20, and he played 62 games, played 21 minutes. Finally, uh, well, actually, that, that year before with, the, with the, the Pelicans, he played 8 games. He's, he averaged 17 points and 8 boards. That was like his coming-out party, like a mini coming-out party. He landed with the Pistons the next year on a deal. Shot 38% from three, 13 points a game, six rebounds. It looked like they were starting to build around him and Andre Drummond. That was, like, the thing. It's it's been a long way for Andre Drummond the last couple of years. (laughs) And then the Rockets sign him. He's, like, maybe their best player at at certain points during the last couple of years. Averages 19 points a game, 10 boards. Shoots 38% from three on five three-point attempts per game over the last two years. And he's just one of these like rare players that don't come around a lot, where you have a player that can roll and a player that can shoot the three. And he hasn't been on a winning team in any of those situations, really, that we talked about. He's not really making headway in any of these winning teams, but he really wants to be in one. I read a piece with uh, Tim Tim Cato on The Athletic. The second drop of Tim Cato. I, mean, I need to stop talking about Tim Cato on this podcast so much. Uh, but Tim Cato and Kelly Eco... From The Athletic, we're talking about Christian Wood, the back and forth. Kelly Eco is a Houston Rockets reporter. He's been on Lockdown Rockets a bunch before. And he talked about how, how much Christian Wood talked about wanting to be on a winning team, wanting to be on a playoff team, wanting to finally be in a winning situation. And that is a sign, at least to me, and it was to Kelly Eco too, that Christian Wood will do what it takes to win for the Mavericks. So what does he need to improve? What did the Mavericks need to improve? What does he need to improve? Well, I think the offense is going to be there for him. I don't know that there's much on offense. There's one thing on offense I think he needs to get better at. But Christian Wood, over the last three seasons, shot 38.4% on 682 threes. Like, that's a good sample size. That's a good sample size to me, four four per game on average over the last three years, that he's a good three-point shooter. He shot 39.7% on catch-and-shoot threes last year. Players that are 6'10 and above, the only player to shoot better than that was Danilo Gallinari on catch-and-shoot threes. Christian Wood shot the same three-point percentage on catch-and-shoot threes as Carl Anthony Towns. He shot better than Brooke Lopez, John Collins, Jokic, Horford, Jaron Jackson Jr., basically anybody that's 6'10 and above, he shot better than, than Danilo Gallinari. To put in perspective, Christian Wood shot 39.7% on catch-and-shoot threes. Last year on the Mavericks, Chris Porzingis shot 31.9%. Like, that's the one thing about this Christoph Porzingis thing is that he was supposed to be this lights-out shooter, like, oh, he could be the best shooter on a team. And he came to the Mavericks, and he just wasn't that. His three-point shot just never really came around for him. But Christian Wood is a is a really, really good three-point shooter in two different situations, maybe even if you count three, because that first-year Rockets team, the second-year Rockets team were, were pretty different. So two two definitely different teams. He shot really well. It's just something that he's I think he's gonna be good at. That's gonna be there. Then rolling for him. He's been a really good roll man in the pick and roll. Last year, he averaged 1.2 points per possession on just about three roll possessions per game. That's that's a, a pretty decent size for a player. That's basically the same points per game as Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, DeAndre Ayton, and better. He scored better on his rolls than Bam, Jokic, Anthony Davis, Evan Mobley. And to put it in perspective again, uh, <laughs> um, Christian Wood 1.2 points per possessions, and Chris Paul is at 1.1 points per possessions in Dallas. That's really far down there. Like point, the, the points matter. Like the point, the tenth place matter a lot in this stat. Um, Dwight Powell and Javale McGee were both top five last year in points per possessions on rolls. Dwight Powell was at 1.42. Javale McGee was at 1.4 points per possession on just about two rolls per game. So those guys are elite. Christian Wood is like pseudo elite as a roll man. Um, So the Mavericks now have three guys that are just excellent rollers, which is gonna be awesome for Luka. Even Christian Wood's assist percentage over the last couple of years, his assists have gone up the last couple of years. He went from 7% in Detroit, 9% in Houston the first year, and 12%. In Houston last year, like he's assisting, his playmaking has become a little bit better over the last couple of years. So he's like he's even improving in that category that you don't really expect a big man like that to to be like the really good passers as big men are Jokic and Towns and like there's and and Sabonis and they're all stars, right? If you can put all those different things together, you become an all star. But why isn't Christian Wood? Well, there's a couple areas that he ne- he needs to improve, and let's get to him. The free throw shooting is an area that he can improve. In Detroit that first year when he really broke out. 74.5% from the free throw line. Last two years, he shot 63%, 62%. That's got to go up a little bit. For as good of a shooter as he is, and the amount of free throws he takes, he's actually getting to the line a lot. He, get, he got to the line uh, just about five times a game over the last two years, which is really good, especially for a big man. Uh, but he's got to shoot a little bit better on, the, on that. But the real thing he's got to work on is defense. He's got to be a better defender. And there's a couple of key areas I think he can get better in. Let's talk about that. And then we'll get into Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway Jr., two other guys I think that have to improve in some key areas for the Mavericks to be as good or better than they were last year. We'll talk about that coming up. Before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the best place to check out the odds and lines and spreads inside and outside of sports. Preseason football is happening. It's happening right now. That's wild to me. Uh, you have got some division futures. Let's go check out the Dallas Cowboys. I know some of you either hate the Cowboys, love the Cowboys. Cowboys right now are plus uh, 130. They should win their division. Uh, the Eagles are plus uh, 160. The Commanders are plus 500. And the Giants are plus uh, 750. So it's between the Cowboys and the Eagles, but Ve- Vegas gives a slight nod to the Cowboys. So that'll be an interesting race in that division. They're not necessarily the overwhelming favorites, but they're... They should win that. So if you're interested in the Cowboys, you want to bet on that. If you want to put more of your hopes and dreams into the Dallas Cowboys, go ahead and put some money down on it. Go check out Bet Online. It's Bet Online where the game starts. All right, Isaac, we are getting into which players need to improve the most. We talked about Christian Wood. We talked about his offense is going to be there. His offense, I think, is going to be good. The three-point shooting, rolling, his assist percentage has gone up. His free throw shooting needs to be better. That's one area he needs he needs to improve. But his defense is just a huge area where he has to be better. He's got to be better on the defensive end. And he can be a decent rim protector. He's got long arms, he's got he's got good length. He can be in the right spots. He's got to do that more consistently. He can defend out on the perimeter a little bit. Like he's got the tools, the physical tools to be able to do these things. It's just buying into the defensive system. There is an entire there's an entire thread on Twitter. It's a guy like uh, Alfred Sangoons. It's like a, it's like an Alfred sangoon fan account that made this thread. It, it may have 25 to 30 tweets in it of video clips of Christian Wood just giving up layups last season. A guy goes to the rim. I saw even players that aren't even like <laughs> number one, two, three, four options in the NBA just driving at Christian Wood, putting a shoulder into his chest. Christian Wood kind of throws his arms up to try and say, "Hey, I'm not fouling him." Like puts his elbows to his to his ribs, puts his hands right at his shoulders, and is like shrugging, like, "Hey, I'm not fouling this guy, but let's a layup go through." That is not going to happen, and that won't fly in Jason Kidd, Sean Sweeney, their defense that they set up. That's something that he, that just won't fly. They. They have have pulled people for less in in lesser moments. Dwight Powell was not playing late in games because of the way, not playing late or early in games, even though he started because of the way he defended in those kind of situations. So he's got to be better at that. He's got to be better at knowing where to be, knowing to being in in position. And I think this defensive system is going to help him a lot. He's got to buy into the system. He has to. It can't be a Nerland's Noel situation where, if you remember a couple years ago, the Mavericks had Nerland's Noel, and he didn't want to buy into the system that Rick Carlisle had because he wanted to get his blocks and his steals. I don't think Christian Wood is going to do that. Christian Wood is going to be 27. He's at a point in his career where he wants to win. He wants to buy into this. He's already seemingly accepted coming off the bench, which is... Incredible for a player like that that has been as good as he has over the last couple of years, that expected to be a number one option when James Harden left Houston. For him to buy into a bench role, and it seems seems like he has. We'll see what happens at the start of the season. He's got to buy into that system, especially the defensive system. If you listen to this show, you know my theory about, about Christian Wood. Jason Kidd is playing Christian Wood off the bench and starting Christian Wood off the bench because he needs some – milestones for him he needs some some ladder rungs for him all right play some defense for me do this in the defensive system and then we'll play you 30 minutes a night and then we'll start you and then we'll do this like and then you'll be part of the closing rotation and then it's like he's got to have these different motivators i think for him that's my theory on it i don't know you can throw the you can throw the music on it if you want to i don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or if it's just how i think jason kidd is coaching but uh will it work Nick, that's a good question. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Will it work? Will he buy into it? Will it be enough? Will the defensive system be able to put Christian Wood in enough situations to make him successful? Well, I definitely think he's playing with better perimeter defenders. the The Bang Bros, Dorian Finney Smith, and Reggie Bullock alone are better than anything the Rockets had last couple of years. I think. Could the Rockets have before last year? Like even Robert, like even Robert Covington. I just I'm not buying into. They had so many guys that ran. How many players did they? Have? They had, they. Oh, the year before this past year, the Rockets had 30 players. It was the most players that have ever played on one team. Um, but they're throwing out guys like, you know, PJ Tucker played 30 games. Eric Gordon played 27 games. Jay Sean Tate played 70 games. Victor Oladipo played 20 games for them. Daniel House played 36 games. Sterling Brown played 51 games. I mean they they were not throwing out like incredibly great defenders maybe besides PJ Tucker who only played 30 games. So he's already going to be in a better spot for him. He's hopefully going to be put in in a better system, buy into the system and it's just got to be better. He's just got to be better in, in those situations around the rim, allowing layups, positioning himself, being stronger. He's got to get stronger. I think that's definitely something he needs to to work on over the offseason especially uh, some of those clips that I saw of guys just barreling their shoulder into him, moving him off of a spot. And uh, maybe the system will help him with that, but it, I think adding some strength will probably help help him as well, especially since he's just better as a center than he is at a, as a four. We've seen enough of him, I think, over the last couple of years that that's true. Let's move on to a couple other players. I wanted to start with Christian Wood because he's the unknown. He's the big unknown for us as Dal- as you know Dallas Mavericks fans watching this team. The Mavericks do have a bunch of knowns, though. They have a bunch of them, which is good. Luka is a known. We know what we're getting from Sevens. Like, we know what we're getting from him. We know we're getting all-star, all-NBA, like, franchise changing, make everybody better around you, take the last shot, take every shot when if he wanted to, uh, player. We know what we're getting in Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, maxi kleba like the three defensive identity setters for the mavericks three point shooters and that's basically it and we're fine with that dorian maybe will add some stuff off the dribble reggie will take a pull up too every once in a while maxi kleba will surprise us every once in a while with like a floater or something but that's they're basically going to give us what they're going to give us and then i think Dwight Powell and and JaVale McGee, too, are pretty much knowns for the Mavericks. We've seen enough JaVale McGee in his career to know exactly what he'll bring to the Mavericks. Both those guys are elite rollers. JaVale McGee can defend the rim. He'll get blocks. He'll get rebounds. He'll play in spurts. And that'll be good enough for the Mavericks. Those are all knowns for the Mavericks. But there's a couple of guys that are just a little bit more inconsistent and are not necessarily known on, on any given night what they're gonna give. And one of those is Spencer Dinwiddie a lot is going to be put on Spencer Dinwiddie this year. There's going to be a lot on his shoulders, especially if the Mavericks don't make another move and bring somebody in. But even if they do bring somebody in before the end of this offseason, I think that Spencer Dinwiddie is still going to be the second best ball handle on the team. I don't know if they find somebody over the rest of this offseason that's going to be a better option than Spencer Dinwiddie. He's still going to probably start. He's still going to be the ball handler on the next Luka. And I think it can work. I love that he's got good size, 6'6". I love that he shot way better from three last year. Um, But one thing he's really got to be better at is scoring in the pick and roll. And this first stat will make you wonder why I decided to pick this stat. But scoring in the pick and roll is something he's got to be better at because the Mavericks are going to need that. Last year in the regular season, he uh, he, uh, scored .94 points per possession in the pick and roll, which was literally the same number as Luka. The 73. Third percentile, almost the 74th percentile, which is good. That's like the that's the top, top 25%. So, okay, he scored the, about the same percentage as Luca in the pick and roll. That's incredible. Yes, it is incredible. That's a really good number in the regular season. Then we got to the playoffs, and he averaged uh 0.73 points per possession in the pick and roll, and it went down to the 35th percentile, like dropped from the top. Fourth to the bottom third, like just completely it fell out from under him in the playoffs. As soon as the lights got bright, as soon as they hit the next level, it was Jalen Brunson or get out of the way <laughs> Was when Luka was out. And Spencer he has got to be better at that. He's got to be better at those situations. He's got to score in the pick and roll. There's going to be a lot asked of him. There's going to be a lot asked of him when Luka's not on the floor or when Brunson's not on the floor because he's not going to play for the Mavericks this year. So he's got to be better scoring in the pick and roll, especially in tight situations, especially in playoff type atmospheres, playoff type um, scenarios. And this whole season is going to be a really good test for him. I'm going to take a drink. It's been one year now removed from his return from an ACL injury. My theory is that's going to be the new Chris Porzingis first healthy offseason phrase that gets said a lot during training camp and media day and all that stuff. But should be good for Spencer Dinwiddie. That's a, that's a good sign. Uh, three-point consistency also has to be better for, for Spencer Dinwiddie. He's got to ha- maintain the same three-point shooting he did last year. He shot 42.3% on catch-and-shoot threes in the regular season for Dallas last year. He shot 34% in Washington. Now, the year before his ACL injury, he shot 37% on catch-and-shoot threes in Brooklyn. The year before that, 36.8%. So he has been a solid catch-and-shoot three-point percentage shoot like shooter, which is good. That's what the Mavericks want. But if he can be excellent like he was last year for Dallas, that's a really, really big thing for the Mavericks and a real easy way for them to just be really good on offense next year. Coming up, let's get into Tim Hardaway Jr. I think there's one obvious thing he's got to be better at. A lot of offensive load will come back on him as well. And then let's look at some of the young guys. Josh Green. That one's easy, too. <laughs> that one's easy, too. Frank Nilakina, maybe not as easy. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac, we're getting into the players on the Mavericks that need to improve going into the next year. We talked about Christian Wood, everything he's going to bring, and everyone, what he needs to get better at from the Rockets to the Mavericks now. We've talked about Spencer Dinwiddie what he's going to be, what he has to improve going from the third ball handler to the second and sometimes the first number one ball handler on the team. And now let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. He's coming back from injury. It's going to be interesting to see how he returns, what he looks like. I think he could have played in the Western Conference finals injury wise, like health wise, he could have played, but they decided not to because they're rolling. They, you know, they had everything like everybody knew their role and they were just playing so well and the Mavericks role the Mavericks roles and chemistry was one of the reasons why they got there and so now let's look at Tim Hardaway Jr. So he had kind of a down year last year. I went on locked up fantasy basketball and that was one of the big things he like Josh Lloyd is asking me about is can Tim Hardaway Jr. bounce back. First two years in Dallas. Remember he came in, he was the tax. His contract was the tax for the Mavericks when they traded for Kristaps Porzingis. It was all right, take Porzingis, give us two first-round picks, give us Dennis Smith Jr., and then also take on these contracts of uh Courtney Lee and this exorbitant contract of Tim Hardaway Jr. that's just not living up to the billing. We signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to this huge deal and expected him to do this and and then he just didn't live up to it. I remember he came to Dallas and he was not, you know, he had not been a great three-point shooter, but he was supposed to be like this really good scorer. But for the first, what? Like Five, six years of his career, he shot 34% from three. He shot 42% from the field. He, you know, turned the ball over a little bit. He didn't really do anything else. And so you're like, all right, well, now the Mavericks have to pay for this guy. And then the last two years, he went and it, like exceeded our expectations in a lot of ways. Then the Mavericks gave him a deal that was about the same deal he had when he got traded to Dallas. And it seemed like he was worth it. He could have got more money for the, from the Pelicans. He shot 39% from three on 7.4 3 point attempts over you know the 2 years the first 2 years in Dallas and then last year it dropped down to 33.6%. He's got to be an excellent excellent 3 point shooter. He's got to get back to the first 2 years in Dallas 3 point shooting. And it's kind of interesting to see how far it went down in the corners. His corner 3 his first year in Dallas 46%. Like that's just that's an incredible number, 76 percentile, really really good. Then he went down to 39% and then last year he was at 33%. 33% in the corners is bad. That's a really bad percentage. He's got to be better there. And then above the break threes, like non-corner threes, he was in the 80th percentile the first 2 years in Dallas and last year went down to the 47th percentile, like just in like I'm um, average, like below average three-point shooter above the breaks. Those are the ways that he succeeds. He's either spotting up in the corners, ready to ready to catch a pass, like ready to catch a Dinwiddie or a Josh Green or a Luca pass, or he's above the break, like running off of a screen, coming off of a pin down, and then running up at the top, elevators, whatever, horns, whatever you want to call it. He comes up and gr- hit, grabs the ball and and hits a three that you're like, dang, how did he just put that in? He's got to be better three-point shooter, got to be more consistent. Hopefully that'll be back. He's been working a lot. You can you see a lot of his videos and things like that. seems like he's ready to get back in in business. Let's talk about some of the end of the bench guys. Speaking of three-point shooting, Josh Green, this is so obvious. Like he, it is just so obvious. The one thing he's got to get better at. And if you looked at it, if you just looked at numbers, you may not think it's this glaring, but it is. His three-point shooting has to be better than it has been his first two years. Now, his first year, he just didn't take any. His first year, he took 25 threes in 39 games and only made four of them. Like, it was just glaring that that was the one thing that he was just really bad at. He was a pretty good defender. He could stay in front of guys. He could mess up guys in, in, in you know, the passing lanes. He had 16 steals. Like, he, he did pretty well. He's a really good passer. 28, 28 assists that first year in just 39 games. Like, he he didn't play a lot of minutes either. He was playing a lot of garbage time. And then this last year... It was a little bit more, the the shot came around a little bit more. He took over one three a game. He made 36% of them, which is a good percentage. 36% from three is a good percentage. It's better than what Luca shoots, but Luca shoots really tough threes, and Josh Green only, only shoots really easy, wide-open threes. His passing is there. His defense is there. He can do other things. He's got to be better at three point shooting. It was so obvious in that Jazz series. that Jason Kidd just said, "I can't play this guy. Like I, I can't put him out there. As as good as he is for our defense, as good as he is moving the ball, and like he's just such he's a lubricant on on offense. The way that he moves the ball around, he cuts, the way that he um, he, he passes from." from sideline to sideline. The Mavericks just don't get that very often. They get Luka and Doncic or, or Brunson or Dinwiddie running up and down, like north-south, and kicking out, and kicking out, kicking out. You don't get – and then Luka sometimes getting stuck in the corner throwing a cross-court pass that just, like, floors all of us. But Josh Green is a guy that'll cut. He'll do an Iverson cut and pass off of that cut, and that is just such a big, a big thing. An Iverson cut is, like, across the free-throw line, basically – and he'll pass from off of there. And it just totally changes the dynamics of the court and opens up a lot of things for everybody. So Josh Green, he, he shot pretty well from three last year, but he didn't take a lot of them. And he he passed up more threes than he took last year. Like 1.2 threes per game in 15 minutes. He was he was passing out of these threes more than he was taking them. That was, that's just a thing you have to watch and see that Josh Green is passing up these threes and not taking them. He's got to take all the open threes. Every open three he has to take next year. He played 15 minutes a game. Here are, and he played 15 minutes a game last year. How does he get to 20 minutes? How does he get to, you know, above 20 minutes? How does he get to being in a playoff rotation? Okay, well, here are the players in the NBA that are shorter than 6'7", who took 1.2 three-point attempts per game and played 20 minutes, okay? This is just so obvious that he has to take more threes, make more threes, all that. Here are the players. 6'7", you no, know, height-wise, took... 1.23s or less, the same amount as Josh Green. Draymond Green, okay. TJ McConnell on the Pacers. Terry Taylor on the Pacers. Chris Dunn on the Blazers. And Markel Fultz on the Magic. Like, two players on an Indiana team that was just awful. Uh, Chris Dunn on the Portland team that was just, was trying to be even more awful. And Markel Fultz with a broke shot. And Draymond Green, was like an outlier of all time. And then Josh Green like played 15 minutes, so he was right below those guys. He's got to take more threes, take all the open threes, and he's got to be more confident in that. He knows that it's just so obvious to everybody. And uh, if he has a wide open three and, and passes it up, like something's probably wrong next year. <laughs> it's just so obvious of that. Uh, I don't know how many more times I can say that. Frank Kina, it's a little less obvious for him. His next season is interesting to me, and then it's interesting to me, and then I'm, I'll. I want to see like the first 20 games and then maybe we'll make a decision on him because he's only 24. Okay. Some players come into the NBA at 24. Chris Duarte was like 24 his rookie year. He's 24, still pretty young, but this is year six. This is year six for Frank Nilakina. and he played 20 minutes a game his first three years for the Knicks did some things. He was a, you know, a Knicks fan favorite where they just kept wanting him to play. He was the Josh Green, the Jaden Hardy, the, you know, the young player that everybody wanted to see play and get more minutes. And then he fell out of favor with the Knicks in, you know, when Tibbs came around and uh and then he got traded. Then he got then he signed with the Mavericks. And now he's gotta get better at three point shooting too. But I don't know if I don't know if that's in him. I mean, thirty three percent on two three point attempts per game for his career he's taken 568 threes over his first 5 years in the nba and he's shooting 33%. that's bad. like you don't want like, that's a bad percentage, 33%. it's not terrible. it's just bad. he shot 34% for the mavericks last year. it's a little better than his than his career 3 point percentage, but he's got to get better at that. he's probably got to be but he but he played in the playoffs. Like he showed that at least he, he can play in the playoffs. He was a little more confident. He played twelve games for the Mavericks, averaged ten minutes a game in the playoffs. He didn't really hit threes well in that. If he had to hit threes, the Mavericks probably won the title <laughs> because they just needed one more guy. They needed one more guy to hit threes. But his defense was was pretty good. He got a couple steals, had a block uh, in the in the playoffs, and he's got to get better at the overall game. And I don't know if that's it. I don't know if he can. Year twenty, he's twenty-four years old. Year six in the NBA. How much better can he improve? How, what are you expecting, Frank Ntilikina, to get better? Jaden Hardy, pretty easy. Got to get, got to be better as a ball handler. We saw in summer league. I'm, I'm banging that drum, banging that drum until I see him working with God, sham God. It's that's just such an obvious one to one. Theo Pinson, I think he's got to get better as a three point shooter. He knows his role in the team, but if he plays and gets any playing time. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they use him because I think he's a ball handler. He was a ball handler in college. He was kind of a do-it-all wing type player. He's like 6'5", too, so he's not like a you know a 3 or 4. He's more like a a ball handler type player, but not as good of a three-point shooter, and so he's got to get better there, too. It's it's almost the same kind of situation for Green, Nilakina, and Theo Pinson. They all sort of have these things that got to get better, and if any one of those guys is is really good as a three-point shooter, they'll get a lot of minutes. That's up for grabs for them. So there you go. Let us know in the comment section below which Maverick needs to improve the most next year. What do you think about Christian Christian Wood next season? And uh, yeah, we'll be back with news and notes on Monday. Any rumors that pop up over the next couple of days, let us know. Tweet at us. Respond on, on uh, Twitter or uh, comment on YouTube, let us know. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us all week. Continue to be five days a week next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Go listen to Lockdown NBA. Boom!